So it is that time again. For those of you who have not yet met in person, my name is Amber Griffiths, and it is that time. So grab your legend pack, crank those speakers to 11. Welcome to Legend. And specifically, you are listening to the Legend to Legend interview series. And this is a series of conversations that where we get to explore the dreams and the visions of individuals who know that their message, their story, their movement is destined to create something greater than themselves. So with all that having been said, I am so excited to welcome to this experience, my dear friend, Heidi. Heidi, welcome to Legend to Legend. Thank you so much for coming to play. Hi, thank you. I'm so excited to be here. I'm just thrilled. I'm just thrilled <laughs> to have you here. So we'll get some of the logistics taken care of. I want to make sure that our audience knows exactly who they're listening to. So introduce yourself, tell us what you, who you are, what you're doing, where you're from, that kind of thing. Perfect. So I am Heidi Hallett. I live in Utah, kind of a small town here, central Utah. I currently am creating the world according to Heidi. And that is encompassing all kinds of travel, some business tips. It's a little bit of everything. <laughs> I also am a salon owner and I've done hair for 28 years. So I've been in business for myself pretty much that whole time in some capacity. Oh, I love it. I love it. Yeah. So you've been in business in general then for at least 25, 28 years. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. What was, was being a salon owner and being in that, in that industry, was that the first thing you did or did you have some kind of a business experience before that? Honestly, this was it. Like I went to beauty school right after um, high school and, and kind of like, I guess, with any service-based industry, but I think especially when you're in um, the hair, nail, makeup world, even when you work for a salon, you're pretty much in business for yourself. You do your own marketing and yeah, salons help. So even those first few years when I didn't own my own salon, I still felt like I was pretty much in business for myself even as a commission stylist but it wasn't long before I bought my first salon and um I've actually owned three over the years and <laughs> learned a lot wow. <laughs> a lot of what not to do a lot of what to do and all of the in-between nice nice yeah so you mentioned that you've got this new podcast how does I mean I can look at that and say wow from being a salon owner to now you are a podcast host what does that transition look like? How, where in your head did you think, I know I'm going to launch a podcast now? <laughs> that is an excellent question. <laughs> and I honestly don't know. I couldn't tell you exactly when the seed got planted, but it's been a long time. I've been listening to podcasts pretty much since they kind of became a thing. And I, I love to listen. I listened to everything from true crime to self-help to business. Like I, I listen to, I don't even listen to the radio in the car anymore. It's always a podcast. Oh, wow. And I've listened to, you know, one from different salon or boutique or, you know, specialist. And I, I just haven't found one that I felt like super resonated with what I was looking for. And there's bits and pieces to all of them, right? That sure. click and, and that kind of thing. So I started coming up with the idea of, well, yeah, but what about this, you know, and what about this? And they haven't even covered this. And, oh, I know that doesn't work because I've tried that. 
<laughs> or does it work for everybody? I, I guess, you know, that's the thing is right. one thing can work for somebody, but I don't know. I just got thinking that I really had something to say and something to share um, both personally and professionally after so many years of learning, <laughs> learning sure. the hard way sometimes. <laughs> sure. That makes total sense. So if your first business was owning your own salon, what, what, what helped you make that leap from, okay, I, like you said, it's almost was like being an individual independent contractor kind of thing anyway, right? You're in charge of your own marketing, mm -hmm. your own sales, your own team, um, your own clientele. What made you think, you know what? I really should just be doing this for myself. I should just go get a building. Like what was that thought process look like? What was your biggest fear of doing it? So honestly, the first time I was too young and dumb to have a fear, <laughs> I just, <laughs> the opportunity presented itself and I went for it. That turned into a complete disaster. <laughs> I'll probably talk about that more someday on my podcast or in the world according to Heidi, but it was, I was very young. I had no business even, even trying to be a business owner and but that didn't last. I mean, that didn't even last a year. I learned a lot and I still count that as part of, you know, my experiences, but that was crazy. The second time I went to work at a salon and within a week of working there, she decided she was going to sell it. And I could see how much potential this little salon had, you know, that just wasn't being met. Like I could see that within the first week before I even knew she was getting ready to sell it. Um, she was pregnant with, I think her fourth baby and just was, you know, just not there anymore. Right. Right. So I ended up taking that over from her and we honestly did really, really well. Like I right out of the gate did really well with that. And then that was just right back when that first, well, I shouldn't say the first, but one of our big recessions hit and people really cut back on doing hair. And at that time, my husband started working out of town pretty much full time. He was flying to Boston and back and we had three kids that were doing baseball, soccer, dance, oh all the goodness. things. So it's basically a single mom during the week. I mean, not financially, no, but as far as the running them around. Right. So that's when I decided that it was time to close that salon. And at that point, most of the stylists were needing to go get second jobs anyway, because we were just hitting um, a really hard recession. Yeah. But I will say that that one, we did really well and it was fun. And I have, I've always made great, I still am in touch with the girls that worked for me. And this time was really different. I was looking for a suite. I wanted a salon suite for myself, just somewhere. I'd worked in my house since the other one, since I closed the other salon. Sure. And my oldest was getting ready to move out, graduated high, or I'm sorry, my youngest was getting ready to move out <laughs> and had graduated. And I was just kind of done working by myself. So I was looking for something where I could take my clients but still be in a salon environment, but still have mm -hmm. my own. And I couldn't find what I was looking for. So I opened it. <laughs> I so you it. created it. <laughs> I created it. Yeah. Oh, I love that. When you, when you're launching some like something like that, it's, it's very similar. It feels like to any other business where you get to decide what your team looks like. Right. So even though they're not necessarily, they're sort of employees, but they're sort of independent contractors. How mm -hmm. do you 
choose people? How do you sort? How do you select people to come and be a part of your space in a way that makes sure that they're completely brand aligned with you? That you, excuse me, you know that they hold some of the same values that you do, that you have, they have some of the same ambitions that you do. What does that process look like as you're bringing on team? That is an excellent question. And I will be honest at the beginning of this part of my journey with this last salon, I wasn't good at that at first. I want, I needed to get those spaces rented. Right. So I didn't, um, I didn't look for people who were brand aligned at the time. That wasn't really a thought in my mind. I just wanted the spaces rented and it was kind of going to be an everybody for themselves type of a thing. Yeah. I learned really quick that that was not the way to go. (laughs) (laughs) Had a couple not so great experiences and not even that the P it wasn't that the people were bad. I mean, they were great people, but we just, it just didn't click. It just felt off all the time. Now I, I do a pretty good interview process. We do a trial period. I always have that three months trial. I tried six weeks, but six weeks just really isn't quite enough time to know how the clients are going to, that's really only one cycle, you know, cause most yeah. clients come in every six weeks. So right. I now do a three month trial and I'm a pretty good judge of character. Now that I do the interview and I have that, I can, I usually know at, at the interview, there's been a couple that yeah. have kind of surprised me. I've had to let a couple go after during that three month time, but you know what? They agreed. And that was, that's the nice thing about opening up like that is it wasn't ugly any, any of the times it was, you know, a conversation that, you know what, you're right. This isn't clicking and it doesn't have to be this ugly, awkward confrontational thing. And that's been a big thing for me to learn because I hate confrontation. So I was always so scared of that. Yeah. But that's, that's not how it has to be. It's, it's a conversation. It's being on honest and open with yourself and with the, that team member or potential team member. Oh, I love that. I think that what a fabulous little legend gem you are dropping because it's, <laughs> it's one of those issues that I, I see with clients, whether they are startups and entrepreneurs, or they're even the large corporate teams mm-hmm. that this is the thing that they really don't like to do. And yet training and turnover is still one of the biggest expenses that any, right. any business you know faces. So if you're able to share your vision with them and share what's going on, then it, then it's easier to say, you know, and, and the other part, I love that you have some kind of a trial period. That's Mm -hmm. not normal. I mean, it probably is in, in your industry. It's not with some of the larger corporations. It's like, yeah, sure. Come on in and we'll see, you know, give it two weeks, but at the end of suddenly it's six months or nine months. And they're still struggling with this team member. Who's just not quite up to speed. Doesn't quite click with the rest of the team. Mm -hmm. Um, So I really like and it is one of those things I think that just affects everybody, every business of any size, doesn't matter mm-hmm. what industry you're in, to create that, that coherent team and to have that culture that actually even will make your clients feel more comfortable. I think it's got to start right there, right at the mm-hmm. very beginning with you, with that CEO, with the founder, with the host, whatever that is that says, this is how we do business here. Right. So you know, jump in and join, or we'll find you some other better place to be. You can go on your way. No harm, exactly. no foul. Which exactly. I think is, it's one of those things that I think people take really personally mm-hmm. is, you know, because we're human. And especially if you become attached to somebody, it's like, eh. but to exactly. keep them on when it's not clicking, when it's not right, that can be, that's not really serving anybody. I don't think. No, it's not. It, in fact, 
it ends up being detrimental. Like the times that I've tried to force something, yeah. it's, it's always come back to kind of bite me, you know? So I've just had yeah. to learn that even though confrontation is not fun, it doesn't have to be that. I mean, I can honestly say the last two times that there was somebody who didn't click and I sat down to say, let's talk. They agreed. They didn't feel like, yeah. you know, yeah. things it's were, not confrontation. It wasn't, it wasn't at all. And it was, you know, like I have a friend that she calls it bless and release. You just, you know, yeah. thank you and release them back out into the world yeah. and they'll find their spot where, and it's good for them too. Right. They right. need they to actually get to spot. flourish someplace else. Mm -hmm. I mm -hmm. love that. That makes complete sense to me. Yeah. I love that. Now, Miss Heidi, um, <laughs> I know you like to travel. So I, do. I, have, I want to ask you because I love to travel. I don't do it even nearly as much as you do. But I often will choose where I want to go based on the new food that I want to try. <laughs> so, oh, I mean, from cool. the southern states, from the southern northwest, mm -hmm. unless it's like work driven, if it's just, hey, let's go play someplace, it's like, what kind of new cuisine do we want to try? So, one of my most recent trips to Oregon, um, of all the weird places, well, maybe it's not because it mm -hmm. is by the ocean, I got to eat sea urchin. Now, it wasn't on my bucket list. This was not something that I desperately wanted to try. <laughs> we happened to be at a seafood place and it was on the menu. My spouse is allergic to most shellfish and has to be really careful about the kind of fish that he eats. Okay. So I got to be the guinea pig and they're like, we're going to have to convince you. I said, no, 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 I'm, I'm just going to try it. And it was lovely. It was weird, pinky, squishy. Like I don't ever have to eat it again, but I'm really glad <laughs> I tried it. Right. <laughs> I'm really glad I didn't get so of all of your travels, whether that's within the States or around the world, mm -hmm. what is the weirdest, funkiest, coolest, most exotic, like I would never thought I'd get it here, kind of a food that you've tried? Oh my goodness. That is a really good question. And here's the bad thing. I am a very picky eater is what's that. <laughs> I really am. And it's more texture for me. Like we talk about that. Uh. That's where my struggle would come in. Um, I probably would say that the most interesting thing that I've eaten and only because of the fact that it's so different than what we think of it as here. So we were in Scotland last spring and um, we were with my daughter's mother-in-law who was born and raised in Scotland and she ordered the scampi and chips and that sounded very good. I love shrimp scampi, right? Right. And shrimp scampi, I mean, when you think of shrimp scampi, you think garlic butter noodles type of a thing, right? Yeah. Yeah. So oh, it's not. Scampi is actually a fish there, a little fish oh. of, of its own. And so I they brought it, was it out. You prepared it. I know, me too. And and it is here. Shrimp scampi is that. But there in Scotland, there's actually little shellfish that are called scampis. And then they were breaded and fried. And so then they came out, and I still think they're going to look like, taste like a shrimp, like once I realize what it is. And they, they didn't. They, again, they were good. It had a little bit of a different texture. Not something that I'm yeah. going to search out again, necessarily. Right. <laughs> um, and not something that I probably would have ordered had I known what I was actually even ordering. But um, yeah, so that was an interesting thing. It was some, learning something new. A little something different. Oh, that's fabulous. Yeah. What is what is the one thing if you're out about traveling? I have a tendency, like I used to take my pillow with me when I was in college. I was mm -hmm. that oh, terrible person on the plane that would take the pillow because I was such a, <laughs> it was so hard for me to sleep. When you're out and about, what is the one thing that you think, as soon as I get home, I'm going to eat this or drink this. I can't wait to get back to my own place, get my slippers <laughs> on mm -hmm. and have this. You know, that, 
That's a great question. Honestly, I know it, this isn't putting the slippers on, but my husband and I both, whenever we get back from a trip, and it doesn't matter if we've been in Mexico or Scotland or where we've been, there's a little Mexican place local to us that we like to go get a smothered burrito. Like as soon as we hit town again, we go get a smothered burrito. <laughs> Often on our way home from the airport, like before we even come home, that. we stop there. Um, as far as home goes, you know me, I get home and the first thing I want to do is pour myself just a glass of wine and <laughs> just be in my element. <laughs> do you have a favorite wine, like a go-to I'm finally home wine that you like to drink? Yeah, probably the wine that I drink most just when I'm at home, just for no other reason is, and it's kind of an interesting one, but it's 19 Crimes. They have one, it's just called their Hard Shard. And it's a fairly, you can often get it on sale around here and it's a fairly inexpensive bottle. And I always have two or three of those. Oh, I love that. 19 around. crimes. Mm -hmm. Is it a red, white? What is it? It's a white, it's a Chardonnay. Oh. And so, oh, yes, okay. they call it the hard Chard. It's a Chardonnay and it just is one that's good, whether I'm having it with food or it's good sipping wine. Oh, so, that's probably my go-to these days. It used to be the Apothic Red and I still love that one. I do like the apothic line. I do yeah. like them. The yeah. blush is very, I think sometimes you can get those darker, the crimsons. Is it a crimson? What's the dark, dark one? It's too oh. much for me, but I yeah. really like the blush. <laughs> yeah. And I, I like the, do dark, in the dark, dark one when I'm wick with a meal. I could not just sit. Yeah. It's not a no. just sit down and it's not a pour myself one. a glass of wine. Yeah. I love it. And I know part of your podcast addresses your food, your wine, your travel, like all <laughs> those things together. Mm -hmm. What is like, I don't know. Is, is it everything you thought it would be when you started launching your podcast, when you said, okay, this is, I'm finally going to do it. Mm -hmm. And I know you speak to small businesses and work with startups and, and helping them create a business plan because you've got nearly three decades of experience of this is how you launch. This is how you don't launch. But then to have this other, it, it feels very separate to me. Sometimes, you know, it's like, this is business. Mm -hmm. This is fun. And yet individuals do not compartmentalize like that. Everything we do is to get like, a human being has all those sides to them, right? So right. how do you, do you keep them totally separate? How do you mix and match them? I mean, is it is it a completely different feel on each of those shows or is it very similar because it's you? You know, and that's the million dollar question because <laughs> I've, I've struggled with that trying, because at first I started it as one show and was just trying to do like a Monday night was a business night and on Thursdays it was the food, wine, travel, you know, social issues, whatever it was that I felt like I want to talk about it that night, the Heidi's wild hair, as we called it. But, and I just recently, I mean, I'm talking maybe two, three weeks ago, split it into let's find about business and let's find about it. Right now, I'd say that they have a pretty similar feel, mm -hmm. but think that will change. I think that the let's find about business is going to, will end up being a little more not serious because I'm never very serious, <laughs> <laughs> but a little more so, you know, whereas the yeah. let's find about it is going to be a little bit more kind of fun and carefree and, yeah. and that kind of thing. And there will be crossover. I mean, there's people who sure, you know, want to listen to both, but I kind of feel like people who don't have a business probably didn't really care to listen to the business one is kind of why I decided to split it up. That makes sense. That makes sense. You're right. I think if there's people who, who are just into, who are working wherever or not mm -hmm. can definitely enjoy traveling vicariously through you 
and drinking vicariously <laughs> through you. <laughs> right. And trying all these new things. I think that's so fun. So for our audience, tell us who you would love to have come and listen to your show. Who do you think really is going to get the most out of? Let's start with your let's find about business. Who's going to make who's going to get the most out of listening to that? Let's find about business. I feel like the people who are enjoying it the most and who I feel like I'm talking to more often are small business owners, usually in the first, either in the first stages of opening or in those stages of wanting to refresh. They want something Uh new and they're looking, you know, for some new ways to market or to change things up a bit. They're kind of in a rut. Yeah. So I, I kind of feel like that's where I, my heart is, my heart is helping people, you know, either get out of those ruts or get their ideas. I always say, get those ideas for your business out of your head and into the world. Um, So whether that's, like I said, the brand new business or a refresh in the business. It has a larger market than it's not just startups. It is really any business owner who's looking for some different perspective. Is yes, what it sounds like. Yes. Okay. Exactly. That's that's awesome. And what about your let's wine about? Do I have to like wine to enjoy your show? You don't. You would probably enjoy it more. <laughs> <laughs> no. If you enjoy at least hearing about different areas of the world, I do talk about food and wine pairings. I also like to talk about I won't say I'm super controversial, but I don't mind addressing some issues that I feel strongly about, um, I like to talk about where we've been. We recently bought a home in Orlando. So I've been, or just outside of Orlando. So I've been talking a little bit about Disney and some of the fun wineries around that area. Excellent. So it just kind of depends on what, what kind of fun and interesting um, tidbits around the world you want to hear about, I guess. Oh, that's fabulous. We'll make sure we have the links to both of those shows in the show notes. Um, so before I let you go back into the wild, Heidi, I have one (laughs) last question for you. Okay. What, you know, how music is a part of like everything, like music is a part of who I am. It's a part of my world It's a part of my brand. I think music, music connects us like nobody else can, like nothing else can even more. So I think than food, although food is a great connector. Yes. What is your theme song? Like, what is your, if you're walking out on stage or if you've got that song that you can't quite hold still, like. Even if you're driving, you start thumping just a little bit or you're singing like, like you've got to get up and move. What is your song? My song. So I would say, and there's parts of it that's really gets me moving. And then there's parts of it that I just love to just sit and listen to. And it's, um, well, there's two that's for Evit or the bliss, depending on if you're listening to it in Dutch or English Bible beat. I've never heard of that. That is awesome. Okay, I'm going to get the link for that too. And we're going to make sure we get that so we can get this love of this Dutch music. That's fabulous. I had no idea. Okay, now I want to go check it out because now I need to know what makes you move. (laughs) And he does, I mean, even in the 40 beat part, he does sing in English part of it too. But like the, yeah, yeah. His voice, it'll just get me all the time. Oh, I love that. Thank you so much for sharing. Do you have anything else you want to share with the audience? Any other one piece of wisdom or one warning or one challenge or one happy thought to share? <laughs> um, You know what? My thing that I always tell people is your life is going to be what you make it. I mean, I know that things happen to us that are out of our control and life can be really hard, but 
I don't believe that anybody's ever stuck. I feel like if you don't love your job or your whatever, fix it. You're only here once, so love it and be happy. I love it. I love it. <laughs> I, I absolutely, I think life is way too short to be miserable. Yes. So do everything you can to find your joy. Run to your joy. I absolutely love it. Heidi, thank you again so much for coming on and sharing your wisdom and your stories with some of the people who are listening. Um, we'll make sure all of your links are in the notes and so that people can get a hold of you and come and support your podcast and enjoy on a bigger detail. And for all those who are listening and for you as well, Heidi, until I get to see you again, till next time, rock on. Thank you.